Welcome to the Integration Podcast, your guide to enterprise integration. Hi, and welcome to this uh, Integration Podcast. Uh, today, I'm really fortunate to have a Microsoft expert that can hopefully guide us a little through what is going on with the Microsoft integration uh, area and what's happening there. So, uh, Pau Sandal, uh, welcome to the show. Tell me a little about what you are doing. Yeah, I'm working with a company called Disbrains, which is an integration company working with Microsoft Integration Technologies. Previously, it has mainly been on BizDoc Server product from Microsoft for, for integration, both internal integrations and B2B. Uh, and now we are move, moving forward to also include uh, the new Asia functionality that uh, that Microsoft um, is, uh, is is moving a lot towards uh, cloud technology and serverless technology. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and your company is mainly focused on Microsoft technology and in- integration. Yeah, not, Microsoft not technology and integration. Yeah, mostly or. Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, pretty much uh, only. But uh, okay. but of course, we we integrate to a lot of other diff- different stuff. So so, uh, in that way, we we encounter a lot of other different products, not only Microsoft products, but mm-hmm. but for integration, we use uh, Microsoft products like BizTalk, um, 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 SQL Server, uh, Asia Logic Apps, uh, API management, and so on. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we met, I think, on a project like two thousand and eight, where you were doing a BizTalk part, and we are doing the the PI part. And I guess yeah, that's right. That's what continued ever since. So I think let's let's start out with with the BizTalk, and uh, coming from an SAP world, this would be the product we will call the PI PO. Uh, could you give us a little uh, idea about what how the the BizTalk has been evolving over the last couple of of years, uh, months, uh, well years time I would assume, and yeah. what's going on there? Yeah, BizTalk was a product that came in uh, in two thousand from Microsoft, uh, where it was um, mainly a channel based uh, integration. It was before uh, XSD and uh, XSLT standards came from uh, from we uh, built by web. Um, so it, it it involved in uh, in 2004, where a new uh, BizTalk version was uh, was released uh, with a completely new architecture, where it's um, based on a public subscribe uh, mechanism, where you have adapters getting data uh, from and to uh, BizTalk, and some uh, orchestrations to uh, to manage your flows and and some uh, tools to do uh, schemas for both uh, XML, flat file, edifact, X12, and also some um, uh, some some tools for doing uh, maps uh, where you graphically have an interface for doing uh, drag drag and drop uh, maps, but it actually results in uh, in XSLT uh, behind the, the scenes. Mm. Okay. And and since BizTalk 2004, the the architecture for BizTalk has been the same. It has just involved with additional adapters, additional features, uh, better um, developer tools, and and. Uh, and of course, the latest uh, adapters for for the uh, Asia Cloud as well. Mm-hmm. And we talked also a little about this before that there's actually coming future versions of yeah, it, 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 yeah, exactly. It, it has actually been uh, a little uh, confusing for for uh, for a lot of BizTalk uh, users uh, whether Microsoft was going to to continue doing uh, BizTalk versions or, or if uh, 2016 was the was the last version because Microsoft uh, 
wouldn't uh, say much about it. So 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 we were thinking that maybe maybe Asia was uh, the only way, but but now Microsoft has announced that a, a new version of Bistock is on the way. So so I guess. Um, uh, also, because Microsoft is focusing a lot on these hybrid solutions, uh, they have seen that uh, there is still the need of uh, on-premise uh, integration solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, talking BizTalk, I guess SAP is also a big part of or a part of that landscape in in some scenarios. Maybe not the PI, but the ERP system. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 SAP is a, a big part for for I guess a lot of BizTalk. Uh, uh, customers have SAP as their uh, main ERP system, and uh, and Bistock also c- comes with uh, SAP adapters as well as uh, Logic Apps does. Mm-hmm. And I guess then you're mentioning log- Logic Apps, and then I guess the the big thing, obviously, and also as SAP is promoting, is the the cloud, and that's where everybody needs to to move and. There, I understand there's the Logic app, which is kind of a new way to create integrations on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Logic apps is, is this new way of creating integration in a serverless way. So you, as a developer, you don't have to think about what servers do I need to provision. You just pay per action, the mm-hmm. Logic app. And uh, there is a lot of uh, connectors uh, that helps you connect to system. It's both... Uh, like a request connectors where you can uh, post to a URL or FTP connectors that will pull from a FTP server, uh, as I said, sub connectors, uh, Salesforce and, and so on. I think there are about uh, 300 connectors at the moment that Microsoft supplies. And you also have the possibility to create uh, custom connectors for the Logic Apps. Uh, but you have to to keep in mind that, that you will pay per action. So so it's uh, when you do the, the Logic Apps, it's, it's hard to say in advance uh, exactly how how much it costs and I guess that also depends on how you actually so so your development effort also goes into how you actually need to design this because of the pricing yeah exactly you have to be uh, more aware of uh, how you develop this because it can impact the, the pricing quite a lot for instance if you decide to to loop through uh, the number of lines and documents uh, that will be uh, that could be a lot of additional actions that might not be necessary if you Instead, just uh, create a, a function for it and, and, and call the function. And then process the full invoice in just one function with all line items. Yeah. But obviously, for proof of concept testing, it's easier to maybe to do the, the split by line and process it in that way. Yeah, maybe for, especially for some users, it, it can be easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, so I guess, yeah, this. Uh, uh, you you mentioned also that there was uh, the had uh, like a user more user friendly because I guess logic app uh, you need to be pretty good at at developer and yeah exactly uh, logic app even though it is a, a visual uh, flow where you drag in components and configure them uh, there are often moments where you need to 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 switch to the actually it's a JSON configuration behind the scenes so you can switch to the JSON and you can do a function around some uh, some property that that output from from one component like maybe you uh, your previous component uh, returned a base sixty four encoded uh, value that you need to 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 convert back to a string so in that case you you still need some developer skills to to be able to to do this so mm-hmm. it's not uh, that user friendly so so normal people can can do it but and then how about do you actually need so working in some other areas you need to have a, a versioning controls and everything like that do you need that also for 
yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. repository. Yeah, exactly. You you can uh, develop your logic apps inside uh, Visual Studio, so you have uh, all the same possibilities as you have with with the uh, regular uh, .NET uh, coding, uh, where you have the possibility to adding it to to GitHub or to Visual Studio Online or, or whatever you prefer mm-hmm. for for source control. So a logic app is actually just a JSON exactly. file with some attachments and properties that or code or whatever you you need. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes. And and as you mentioned, if if you want something that is more uh, available for for um, for not so technical persons, Microsoft have this uh, Microsoft Flow, mm-hmm. which is a, a more um, developer kit for I guess you can say citizen integration or at least something that is a lot easier to uh, to work with for for regular people where you can uh, easily create a flow uh, call get some data from somewhere and, and post it to your Facebook account or, or whatever you want but actually the the, the flow is logic apps behind the uh, so so it's so users would create a logic app without actually knowing what they are creating yeah I guess so yeah oh maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that being used at customers and uh, Microsoft Flow? Yeah, uh, I have seen uh, it being being used just yes, for, for 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 small and simple uh, tasks. But uh, uh, I I have mostly seen it on uh, on the conferences with uh, mm-hmm. where people do it. But but it is so easy to use that uh, we just had an uh, Asia integration bootcamp this Saturday, where uh, we actually had a presenter from. Uh, uh, Atea uh, that that showed uh, a quick demo about how to use uh, Microsoft Flow and, and and he actually did it from from scratch and 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 I managed to just uh, do it uh, on, on on the scenes uh, while he was presenting. I I also did the, the quick um, quick app where I actually created a, a flow that could take some some file and uh, send it to my mailbox uh, based on a, a power app tool that that uh, I could easily from my phone pick a file and, and use send it through this flow. So it is very, very easy to do and, and, and quickly to, to publish and use right away. So, mm. And I guess this was one of the things that we also talked about that I guess the cloud gives smaller companies actually the same options as previous only was available to big enterprise customers. Yeah, exactly. This is one thing that I really like about uh, about these new cloud technologies. It's, it's that... Uh, you pay by consumption uh, mostly, so so it's easy for for smaller companies to actually gain uh, features that was previously only available for for enterprise customers. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, um, so 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 that's a good thing, and I think that that's also something that we'll see. Uh, uh, companies like us will, will get uh, more customers from the uh, SME market, uh, small and medium uh, companies. Um, and I, I think this is, of course, a good thing, but it also presents a lot of uh, other challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess something like skills would obviously be a pretty difficult because, yeah, I guess we started out just knowing one platform, yeah. Stock and PI, and now at least in the SP world, you need to manage like three or four different platforms and they have evolved different versions of it. And I would assume it's the same in, in Asia and yeah, exactly. It's it's the yeah. same in Asia, and and actually, uh, I would say that it's just recently that we actually started to 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 uh, to recommend Asia in some cases because uh, the evolution have been uh, very fast, and and services that popped up one day was maybe taken down the other day. So so we have been a little uh, hesitant to 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 make sure that that, that things are are more stable and and uh, and safe to use uh, before we start recommending so, it. 
So Asia have been adding services that were then removed after some period of time when it wasn't. Yeah, they they fun. actually uh, they actually added a replacement for Bistock called uh, I think it was called uh, Bistock Integration Services, uh, and 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 this was taken away again because uh, Logic Apps uh, took over this this part. So mm, okay. So so I guess uh, you you can move too fast for 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 some stuff, but but I think. Uh, now, now they're really getting there. Uh, some of the stuff that was lacking before was uh, the maturity and and the developer tools and the monitoring capabilities and, and and stuff like that and deployment possibilities and and they're they're really getting there with the um, uh, DevOps uh, and 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 also with well, I guess they they now are a place where where we see that that this has. F- have come to stay and 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 is uh, in a stable uh, stable form now. Asia DevOps. What does is that for? Like integration, where you can validate the integration on, and make sure you have documented. Or what does Asia DevOps do? Uh, well, I, I think it's actually uh, Visual Studio Online uh, that that comes with a, a part of uh, a tools to to control your deployments to the different environments and the processes to to do so. So that you can uh, end up in a situation where no developer needs to to uh, to have access to production environment, but it's this is controlled by deployment procedures. Uh, ah, okay, cool. Um, another thing, um, meeting at different customers is the the need to actually do uh, API integration and validate and secure APIs. Is that also something that you can find in the Azure uh, environment? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, actually, Asia have uh, Asia API management, uh, which <laughs> they is, have uh, really been thinking really, about yeah. the, the naming of these things. Yeah. So what should we call it? <laughs> API. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, nobody will be confused of that name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but it's actually um, something that uh, will help you uh, govern your your services. Uh, it 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 has a lot of cool features. You can uh, expose your internal services, uh, put uh, Asia API management on, on top of it to control security security, performance, uh, and also it can can manage uh, like uh, exposing your internal SOAP uh, services as a REST interface and, and stuff like that. So, so so there are a lot of cool features in the Asia API management. Uh, earlier it was uh, a little expensive, uh, but um, uh, just this uh, December last year, they announced a new uh, model called con- consumption model, model where you can actually um, pay pay per consumption instead uh, so you can get a get started with HAP i management a lot cheaper uh, and this is also has the the, the serverless uh, f- functionality built in because it's it's like you're just paying for the number of api calls exactly. that you're making mm. exactly yeah and um and and i think this is something that we will see a lot uh, because it's it's so easy to expose all your internal services i i, I guess uh, um, also, this uh, has to do with with security because uh, today a lot of the internal services probably don't have the security it should have. Mm. Uh, but this is a lot easier to control using the uh, API management uh, software from Microsoft. Yeah, I was uh, talking with an architect the other day about this thing that how do we actually make sure that users are valid? And he was saying that that. He was actually proposing putting a lot of all the, the this authentication validation into the API management, and then using that instead of putting a lot of validation into your backend code, validating whether the user had access or not to the specific uh, application. Because if he was there, he did have access. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I think we will see a lot more to Asia API management, and and this is something that. Uh, Especially now, a lot of people are talking about uh, API, and and we hear that a lot. Also, uh, in areas where we normally would see uh, people talking about EDI and B two B, we see uh, APIs as uh, moving in more and more. Mm. Um, in in some cases, I even see a lot of people who who think that uh, API is uh, is a replacement for for EDI, and and I don't agree in that area because. EDI is a completely different thing than than API. Mm. Of case, of course, there is an overlap, and there are some uh, some things that that uh, like a price catalog. Uh, it might be just as easy to expose it as as something that you can call and get uh, at right away. Uh, so it could be done. Uh, it, there's also EDI formats, standards, a lot of standards for for price catalog. So this can be done uh, either way. But stuff like getting the number of uh, items in stock. It's not something you should do uh, through EDI. This is, of course, something you should do mm. with, with uh, APIs. Uh, and again, all those invoices is something that I, I feel personally that is um, much better doing uh, for EDI. Uh, and, and still we see that a lot of customers think that, well, why should we do EDI? We can just expose our uh, mm. uh, sales orders through uh, API and have the customers use this. And of course, this is true for... For some cases, it, it makes sense to expose services to to create orders because a lot of uh, those uh, smaller uh, customers uh, prefer to have just an API they can use uh, uh, right away. Uh, but but if you have three hundred suppliers and you need to connect to all of them, uh, I I wouldn't like to to be the one who had to to code up uh, to, to do the implementation <laughs> of three hundred different uh, APIs. And I guess that's because we don't really have like a normalization of what these three or four different APIs that is in, in this uh, purchase to, exactly. to cash process should be like. And exactly. There are no standards for, for, for doing uh, APIs, so, so uh, there is no uh, uh, REST standard for, for doing a, a sales order creation or stuff like that, but mm. there are a lot of standards for, for this in in ADFact or XML uh, that, that we see used a lot. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and this still makes sense a lot more sense for, for me than doing it through uh, through REST interfaces. Uh, and, and, and even when we are talking EDI, there's still plenty of different variants of each. Yeah, yeah, of uh, course. Uh, you, you will still see a lot of different uh, uh, formats. And, and I guess in some cases, that's also one of the reasons why people say, uh, well, let's just do the API because uh, often if we have a, a new EDI partner, we still need to, to, to do some some um, adjustments in the in, in the format to make him happy, mm. but I guess uh, that that still depends in some cases uh, because uh, we see at least for 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 the new uh, formats like uh, Purple uh, Biz invoice and and, and 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 those kind of XML formats that have very strong um, uh, validation rules that can be applied. It makes it a lot easier, and, 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 and in those cases, we actually see that that we can have one invoice format that we send to a lot of different customers. So, what's this format? Uh, the the like, like in Denmark, we have this uh, NIMHandle OEO UBL format. In the in the European plan, uh, it has been just this uh, April actually. It has been mandatory for all European governments to be able to uh, to receive electronic invoices. Mm. And a lot of uh, companies has uh, signed up for uh, for PayPal as the transport mechanisms to do this. Uh, PayPal is similar to, to NIMHAN. Uh, 
um, uh, and and also uh, they have signed up for the format called Pepper Bis, which is like the Danish uh, OEO UBL. Mm. It's based on the UBL uh, standards, and they apply a lot of um, uh, schematron rules on top of this. So you can actually get all of the. Uh, you can do collaboration with your partners using this. Yeah, documentation or this uh, format. Yeah, exactly. And 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 one of the advantages here is also you have this uh, common registry. Like uh, you don't have to know uh, where to deliver uh, this UBL. You can just, if it's the Danish uh, Nemhan, you will look up in the Danish uh, registry where to send the invoice. If it's PayPal, then you will look up in the PayPal registry. Uh, just with the company address or company name or. Uh, Identification. It's, yeah, it's, it, it needs menu. to be a DLN number or a, a regional. Um, well, in, in Denmark they have the DK colon CBR. In uh, no, the Norway they have VAT the VAT number or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. So, so there is a, a list of uh, of valid uh, numbers that can be registered in, in mm. the Pebble registry, and it uses uh, certificates like uh, you use for AS2 and AS4, and actually Pebble is uh, right now moving to from AS2 to AS4 as the protocol behind Pebble. So that means that once you are doing this integration, or once you're adding a new partner, you can just in your EAP, EAP system say, okay, now we are doing integration with this new partner, they have this identification code, and then you could care less about what's going on in the integration layer? Yeah, at least you would know that, that this uh, should hit the same uh, endpoint because it's the same uh, format and it's the same transport mechanism. Mm-hmm. So so normally in the integration layer, if you have like custom formats or custom transport mechanisms like FTP or AS2, they need to be specifically set up in the integration. Mm. So, so that's one of the advantages of, of using NEMHANDLE and PayPal is that that you don't have to, to, to worry that much about it. You can just say, well, this is a PayPal endpoint. So, so this makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> and I guess when we're talking about uh, B2B, uh, one of the things you, you have created a, a tool that actually is able to, to help companies manage some of these uh, partner integrations uh, for EDI and I guess with also with, with Pebble. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in BizBrains, we created a product called uh, Link, which is um, a web page where you can easily, as a business manager, Uh, go in and create uh, new uh, partners, whether it being uh, uh, new customers, new suppliers, new uh, transport transportation companies, or, or whatever. And and you can choose uh, which uh, formats they should have uh, in the list of, of formats that that you have uh, created. So, so normally, if if our customer has um, like 300 suppliers and they want to do EDI with them, we recommend doing a, a catalog where we say. We want to do EDI with you. We support uh, these uh, transport types like uh, SFTP, AS2, AS4, PGP encryption, stuff like that. And also, you can choose between these three uh, standard formats, like, for instance, the uh, Pebble Bis uh, or the uh, Edifact D96A or something like that. And, uh, and and hopefully, they can they can use those mm-hmm. uh, or one of those uh, supported uh, formats. Because then, if they get back uh, from one of their suppliers that they want to do this, uh, hopefully the business person will be able to 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 configure this themselves if it's uh, an existing format and and uh, yeah, without having to involve without integration ha- departments and exactly all of that. Yeah, and and also it does the, the tracking where it makes it visible for the uh, for the business where the documents go and if everything goes good or if in, in case something fails. 
there is a very advanced uh, error handling mechanism, so you can make sure that the different uh, errors ends up the right places. For instance, as an integration developer, I guess uh, most of us have encountered a situation where we we know we need to deliver uh, um, data in the, in this uh, format here, where the uh, GTIN number for the uh, for the item is required, and we can see in the internal schema that the GTIN is uh, optional, and we say to the uh, business that uh, we have a possible uh, error situation here because we need to deliver uh, something uh, that is required, and it comes from something optional. What should we do? And often the answer is, oh, don't worry about that because that will always be filled out for uh, for this uh, supplier. <laughs> and of course, you know this this will happen some someday that it's not filled out, and then it will fail because a mandatory field is not filled out. And normally that will go to the developer or administrator or whoever it is. And what we have focused on is making making sure that this can actually be sent directly back to the person responsible for the um, mm. for the master data, so they can add the deeds in and send the order again. Yeah, I think that's a pretty important feature to see the same in, in, in the PI environment. How do we actually set up something automated to handle this? And yeah, exactly. you don't want to be bothered by this 500 times. If you have found the, the solution for it, you can just yeah, exactly. send them. And yeah, that's also why I added to my support tool. So you can actually, in the PI, I could say, this failed, send it to Someone uh, yeah, who can outside. fix it, yes, <laughs> yeah. instead of doing an internal workflow. Yeah, I think this this is, is very important, especially if you are a big company that that have millions of documents going out uh, each month. Because even if it's a low percentage that that fail, uh, it can still be a lot of messages that ends up uh, in the uh, IT or development department. And uh, actually, the, the link was developed based on a company that that started to get too many uh, documents in their. Uh, Suspend the queue, as it was called in BizTalk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they actually, uh, at the beginning, they, they just outsourced it to an Indian company where the, it was just some, Indi- some, some programmers from there that, that needed to, uh, to, uh, to forward the errors because, of course, they, they can't fix it if a GT number is, is failed, but they could just forward the uh, email uh, or the information to someone you need to fix this and then remove it from the Suspend <laughs> queue. But yeah, that, that's actually the, 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 the reason why Link. Uh, What's created, what's created is to, to make sure that we could uh, root errors uh, to create places and and that businesses have the insight they need without uh, without having to talk to the developers. So yeah, actually making the integration platform a white box instead of a black box. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is built for... Where, how, how does this run? Is this only for BizTalk or? Yeah, uh, BizTalk is the uh, is the engine behind it. So so BizTalk is still the uh, the primary engine. We we are in our roadmap. We are moving towards uh, decoupling it from BizTalk and being able to to process uh, the documents in in Asia instead. But but uh, basically, it's it's still just a a web front end and and some database uh, information that that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, added. So you this. could, in principle, use it to replace uh, the B2B add-on from SAP PI if customers was wanted that. Yeah, that that would be possible because we have the uh, API for for for, for Link as well. So 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 it, it it would require, I guess, some some project, yeah, some project to do it. But but we have had uh, a couple of requests for if this was possible because people who had. Both SAP PI, uh, we have some customer who choose to use SAP PI for internal integration, and uh, our product link for external integrations, and and pretty quick they discover they, they need the same transparency in, in in their SAP PI. So, 
Mm. So, so we have had uh, requests for for doing it, but um, but so far it's yeah, I guess a whiz. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's always the fun thing about selling software that customers think they need all these different things and it's like, uh, but we're good for now. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's important. I guess uh, we have learned at least that uh, as the product grows bigger and bigger, it also gets more expensive to develop new features because you have to make sure that you can maintain them as well. Mm. And, um, and 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 this is um, uh, so so new features needs to be carefully uh, evaluated before before you create them. Mm-hmm. And you have this also as a managed service or cloud yeah, service? Or? Yeah, actually, this was a. This was uh, born because we wanted to be able to support uh, smaller businesses with BizTalk functionality. So, so, so we did uh, at the beginning. We created this as a as a service to mm-hmm. be able to to help um, smaller customers do EDI uh, a lot quicker, B2B, mm-hmm. a lot cheaper than than having to invest in BizTalk themselves. And of course, one of the advantages uh, with with this many services compared to a lot of others. Is that it is based on on standard like XSD and XSLT BizTalk, so you can you can actually in, in case you you want to move it to your own servers, you can do that as well. Okay, cool. Um, I guess another topic is obviously for enterprises. How do we take this cloud thing that you have and run it on on premise? And I th- thought oh, you said something about the, the that the Asia environment you can actually run. On premise or some yeah, part of it, or Asia has a, a, a product called Asia Stack, where you are actually able to to uh, to create your own private cloud uh, called Asia Stack and and run stuff like uh, logic apps uh, on on your own private cloud. So so there is some uh, possibilities uh, here for doing that, and of course you can uh, also do it more like the hybrid way where you actually move st- some stuff to 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 Asia and, and keep uh, others on your. Mm-hmm. premise solution uh, and use stuff like application gateway and uh, and so application gateway what does this do it makes it uh, possible to expose uh, internal databases to 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 some of your uh, apps in in, in asia okay um, yeah I guess that's much like the sp cloud connector where you have from from the sp cloud can access on-premise systems databases uh, with different protocols yeah, yeah, I guess exactly. Yeah, yeah, and these have different products like this. The Daisy Gate, I think it's called. Uh, also, they have a connection gateway where you can access. Where it's just pretty much a mini VPN tunnel where you can access a specific port on a specific internal server from mm. from Asia. So, uh, so it's very quick for uh, developers to say, well, I just created this cool uh, website uh, that runs on my internal database. I want to publish the website to Asia. Uh, you can do this just directly from Visual Studio, of course. Then you would not be able to access the database, but you could then just use the the, the connection gateway to to uh, or the data gateway to to access the database without actually having uh, to contact uh, the IT department to get them to open any firewalls. And I guess that brings a little of a question we also had: How do you secure these things? Yeah, exactly. Not, not well. It, I guess it's secured all the way through, but users may expose data that's not really what you want. Yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, that the, that one of the future challenges, uh, especially for IT managers in in large companies, might be to 
to make sure that uh, that that this doesn't go um, banana so so make sure that they, uh, there is a clear strategy for how to uh, how to do this uh, because it's so easy for uh, for uh, for persons to expose internal data without actually um, getting uh, permission for it uh, i think this is uh, very important that uh, all it managers that start to use asia and the company have uh, a clear strategy about who who can do this and uh, and what is the process uh, also because one of the advantages is of course how fast it is for uh, for business persons to get a proof of concept done but the next thing is that when it's done and they think it works fine they just want it in production right away or maybe they just decide now it uh, is click on publish or whatever <laughs> yeah. and then it's, yeah. it works and they send it out saying hey we created this new fun thing yeah exactly so uh, it, i think it's very important that uh, the companies have a strategy on, on how to to move forward when they have a proof of concept how to move forward to make, making it an actual mm-hmm. uh, service that is uh, backed by the it department and and yeah uh, very important bit the uh, correct uh, strategy i i see a lot of uh, blinking uh, signals here for for larger companies i previously i have seen companies where some departments start to have their own uh, servers because uh, it was uh, the management was out, outsourced to some uh, uh, bigger it department and it just takes too long to 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 get a server now they can easily just click on create a new virtual machine in Asia and, and it's up and running right away. So, uh, mm. yeah, uh, I think, yeah, it's it's important that uh, everybody think uh, about uh, like a clear strategy for, for using Asia. I also, also with the strategy, uh, if you start building something in Logic Apps, I guess you are pretty, pretty tied into using that for ever. Uh, and I don't know, I think most companies would just have like a one, uh, one cloud strategy. I don't know if you've seen anyone that would use a multi-cloud strategy. Uh, yeah, I, I agree that this is, is one of the challenges I see as well is that uh, that you could lose some of your fle- flexibility about uh, switching between clouds when you start to use these cloud-specific services. Mm-hmm. I guess they all have them, Amazon and, and, and Google and Microsoft all, all have their own uh, specific services that can only be used on, on their cloud solution. So of course, uh, I would also, uh, maybe as part of the strategy, make sure that you think about this when you create cloud solutions. Uh, for instance, uh, Asia functions uh, can be created in a way so they can can be reused in, in other platforms as well because it can be done in, in .NET Core. Mm. And um, and the same, um, yeah, so, so, so it, it's important to... Uh, to realize that that when you do stuff, uh, where do I uh, put the most effort uh, in it? Because uh, that's also, I guess, an advantage of putting stuff in an Asia function uh, could be that it's easier to migrate to other platforms. Mm. And and for the, those like uh, us that don't understand what Asia uh, uh, .NET Core is, yeah, the .NET Core is this uh, Microsoft uh, framework, light framework for .NET that is uh, platform independent, like uh, Java. So, so if you have a .NET application today, uh, you can normally uh, pretty easy switch the, um, um, the build uh, so it will build on uh, .NET Core framework instead, uh, and in that way you will get an application that is uh, platform independent and, and doesn't require Windows uh, behind it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, do you have do you have customers that are using you as? Um, yeah, integration providers and have used Azure uh, so, and not have used Asia as a cloud provider. 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. But uh, I'm. But most would use you uh, have a Microsoft strategy. Put everything in. In Asia, yeah, but I guess uh, since we also have uh, like sub customer who who maybe more would, would look into uh, Amazon or other stuff, I, I, I believe that uh, we, we probably have customers who who use different kind of clouds mm-hmm. and um, also customers that actually use maybe both Asia and and, and Amazon because there's some pre- some applications that better on one versus the other. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, You also talked about some forum for for Danish people or for actually understanding what was going on with the integration community. Yeah, I just uh, would like to mention that there is this uh, new uh, forum that was created last year called uh, Integration Architect Forum, uh, which is um, something that is uh, community-driven, no commercial interest or anything, but it has been... uh, Uh, so far, there has been three um, uh, arrangement uh, at uh, two at Bestseller and uh, one at Lego, where different people uh, come in and tell about what is their integration strategy or what do they use for their to accomplish it. So it's it's not a Microsoft uh, forum. It's it's uh, both uh, Amazon and uh, and Asia and and uh, Google um, that 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 they use the people who. Who come in, and it's not so much uh, a forum that focuses on what they use. It's more focused on on the principles about integration, how to do the architecture the right way, uh, and and not so much as as what do you use Microsoft to do you use uh, yeah. Amazon or whatever. And I guess this all comes to how do we actually well uh, yeah create microservices. How do we actually make this full blown th- uh, what uh, two speed architecture with multiple different types of services. And yeah, exactly. It, it's, uh, it's a lot about how do we best accomplish different things. And of course, also uh, discussions like uh, do API solve everything or do we still need uh, EDI and, and and how do we accomplish this hybrid solution uh, the best way? How, how have we done it? And what is our experience with, with, with different kinds of services? So, And this is based in, in Denmark. Yeah, it's based in Denmark. So yeah. if you're listening from Denmark, please uh, join us. And I guess you can search and find it on... Yeah, it's in Me- Meetup. Meetup. If you go to meetup.com and search for Integration Architect Forum, you should be able to uh, to find it. Hmm. I think this is one of the longer podcasts so far. Is there anything we forgot to mention? Or that... Uh, um, I don't think so. <laughs> I think we've been uh, through pretty much uh, what I just what comes into mind. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it it has been really interesting to actually get this comparison of understanding what other integration providers is making, what's what's going on, and uh, that the world is not just SAP but Microsoft or whatever, and they have similar things that obviously works in, in different ways um, and yeah uh, if you have B2B uh, capabilities want to see a different way of doing uh, B2B try to check out uh, bisbrains.com and see the, this uh, link application and how it works yeah actually we are on we are working on a, a specific product site for links so, so hopefully that will be up and running soon 
cool. Yes, uh, you can find uh, the link here. Uh, yeah, on the the, the blog uh, description. So go in there. Uh, Paul, thanks for for being on the show. And this was actually, I think, one of the the the, the interviews I've created live. So it's been pretty interesting to actually sit with you and for I guess the better part of almost one and a half hour just talking about all these different things architecture and stuff like that thanks for for sharing well thank you for inviting me so uh, thanks for for listening if you've been with us so far um, I hope you you enjoyed this episode and understanding a little of what's going on uh, abroad uh, across the landscape of, of integration if you liked it uh, please share please uh, send it to your friends and uh, give me some some feedback on this so uh, thanks for listening